What's up, Pudsters, Pudinskis, other various made-up epithets? Welcome back to another episode of the Austin Pudding Podcast. I think this is number eight at this point, so we're done with our little summer intro and we're moving on into the fall. So got a few more interviews slated for the next couple weeks, and I'm really excited to get out to the world so you can listen. This week, we have an artist from Atlanta who goes by Crystal Carding. Hit me up months ago over the summer. Um, I think maybe even as far back in May. So we're just kind of getting around to releasing this episode now. Anyway, I was drawn to Crystal's music because he had mentioned that he had recorded a, an EP short album basically with a 90-day Ableton free trial. That it was all written, recorded, mixed, mastered in that time frame. And so I really wanted to talk to him to sort of get a sense of what that process was like with that constrained time limit. It's also his first release as a solo artist, so I wanted to get a sense of like what it's been like as sort of a the perspective of an initiate in the world of releasing and recording. Uh, so that's what we ended up talking about for a lot of this. Anyway, that's all I have to intro it with. So without further ado, here's my interview with Crystal Carding. All right, so uh, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. How about you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Excited because um, the first episode of the podcast that this will be for just dropped today. So uh, this is a very new new project, new endeavor on my end and on also on Alston Pudding's end because we haven't had anything like this. Uh, you know, very obviously getting into the podcast this game. One's, this one's for the pod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's cool with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, sort of what I'm, what I've been pivoting to lately. Um, right on. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so just to get started, uh, how about you introduce yourself for anyone who's who's listening? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Crystal Carding. I go by Crystal Carding. Uh, you, Harry, can call me Zach today. All right. <laughs> Crystal Carding's just, um, I guess, like a device of anonymity if you will um yeah. more than Pseudonyms. anything yeah yeah i work um i work like a pretty corporate job um and not that they would care or like prevent any of this from happening but i don't know i don't need a bunch of coworkers like going and looking up my real name <laughs> <laughs> you know like googling up like stuff and projects or whatever but yeah yeah uh, about a month ago, dropped my debut EP. It's called The Best We Can with the Teeth We've Got. Really just the idea of the project was um, I had dabbled in Ableton a little bit um, in college and like just on like a trial version, maybe like dabbled for like two days. Uh, and then finally got to a point like way later now, years later, where I just thought, let me pick that up again. I've dabbled in guitar since I was a kid and, you know, have taken piano lessons as a kid, but like really basic musical knowledge for the most part, I would say. And so getting back into it was just really fun, a creative outlet that I could, you know, express myself in. Started a 90 day free trial and just kind of rolled with that and said, let's see what I can make in 90 days. Mm -hmm. Um, really no aim to it at all. <laughs> it's just, I, I thought that I would end up with like a song. I would have been happy with one song. 
And uh, it came out to be, I don't know, 15, 16 songs or something like that um, over the course of the 90 days. Some were really, really trash. And I had a couple friends listen to them and they're like, don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, that's honesty that you need though, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Even my wife at times is like, like I'd call her into the room and she'd be like, nope, that one's no. <laughs> Stuff like that. So it was good feedback, honestly. It was yeah. really good stuff that I I definitely needed. But but yeah, completed it in 90. I would say the last 15 days, shockingly enough, were like the ones that were the most productive. Mm-hmm. And glad that I put that deadline on myself mm-hmm. and kind of used anything that was accessible to me, hence the name, just sort of like the best we can with the teeth we've got. We're just trying to yeah. do, do the absolute best we can with, with what we have, whether that be equipment, software. Um, I said that to my wife, like jokingly at a restaurant um, a few months prior. And we, I don't know why, but we just like laughed about it for hours. And I was like, I really write a book or like have an album or something. Like that's what I'm going to call it. And it was <laughs> to the the theme of the project itself but what came out i don't know it is what it is i'm really proud of it and i think there's a lot of diversity in sound mostly because mm-hmm. like what i was doing going into it but i think it it turned out cool like you can kind of find a sound that it eventually slots home into throughout mm-hmm. um, throughout listening to the seven or eight songs that are on there yeah and i'm, I'm glad you brought up, brought that up so just to repeat the title um the best we can with the teeth we've got that sort of seemed like a theme of the album when I was listening to it. It was just like, uh, especially given the sort of time limit that you had set for yourself with this 90 day Ableton, I guess to backtrack further uh, for any, any listeners, um, the email I got from Crystal was um, uh, sent, sent this album along this. Uh, so you ended up with like eight, tracks 20 minutes right yeah yeah eight yeah. tracks 20 minutes um, there's like an interlude in there but we'll call it eight <laughs> yeah yeah uh interludes count but um fair enough yeah but so you're explaining that you had got this 90 day ableton trial um and your goal was to you know record uh an album within that within that time frame when i clicked on it to uh to check it out like i had no idea what kind of music to expect but i ended up listening to it and, and really really enjoying it and i think there is a lot of diversity in in the sound track to track but there's also it, it also flows really well and there's like a good consistency in there and so especially that theme of using the time you have using the equipment you have using just what you have at your disposal i think comes through a lot especially that opening track my rifle my pony and me don't know the specific lyrics, but there was a lyric in there that that really drove home that point to me uh, listening to it, where it's like my rifle, my pony and me. It's that's kind of the most like country esque song on the on the the record. It's it's kind of. Yeah, it's actually a Dean Martin cover from like a movie back in. Okay, All right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a cool it was a cool song that I I wanted to throw on there. and I thought, yeah, I thought lyrically it made sense. And yeah, yeah, I just wanted like a a mellow opening. I'd been to like a handful of shows pre-pandemic that it just like a more mellow opening track to to open a setup. And I just thought it was so 
cool. I don't know. It just, it, it was fitting. Like you, if it came out soft and like, there's like a banger, like the next track, I was like, that's, Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's something that it, it like, it like hits right. I don't know. I don't, I, I felt, I felt like that was like the way to go. And when I, I had been listening to that song, like pretty obsessively dug it up and yeah. And it's just such a, a good song to, to listen to and, and, ponder over it's just simple and and what and you said it's um so it's from a movie do you remember the name of the movie is it like a country the movie Western is movie? oh man you're uh you're digging in so dean martin put in like, a few of his albums like weird deep cuts but it's mm-hmm. it's an old western film and um i just remembered it from i honestly a lot of this stuff is like weird memories from childhood and i remembered seeing like dean martin in a jailhouse like smoking a cigarette on a bed and he just kind of starts seeing the cattle go down to the stream. The red wing settles in her nest. It's time for a cowboy to dream. Purple eyes. In the canyons That's where I Long to be With my three Good companions Just my rifle, pony and me Gonna hang Gonna hang My sombrero My sombrero On the limb of a tree coming home, sweetheart, darling. Just my rifle, pony, and me. Just my rifle, my pony, and me. Whip a will, whip a will in the willow. Sings a sweet, sings a sweet melody. Right into, right into Amarillo, Amarillo. Just my rifle, pony, and me. No more cow, no more cow to be roping, to be roping. No more strays. Will I see round the bend? Round the bend. She'll be waiting. She'll be waiting for my rifle, pony, and me. For my rifle, my pony, and me. That stuck with me. Was uh, was just like the imagery behind the scene was was really cool. And I had started watching some like weird old Western. It's a uh, Rio Bravo. Just Rio Bravo. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for looking that up. That's, yeah, no problem. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Rio Bravo. Think more about the movie. It was just like this weird, like Turner movie classics, like thing memory that popped into my head. And, and I was like, that's, a, I remember it. It was like, there, there was like a song in that movie. And I, it was one of those weird things where I just went on, like down the rabbit hole to try to find this song. And once I found it, I became really obsessed with it and mm-hmm. wanted to cover it for the, for the EP. 
Nice. Yeah, no, and it, it really has this, uh, sets the pace for just being content with what you have and, you know, it ain't much, but it's mine kind of feel. Exactly. Um, exactly. I also, I love love a lot of that old Rat Pack stuff. So I actually hadn't even looked that up to, to beforehand to know that it's a cover, but um, definitely. No, it's like a weird, it's a weird, there's um, like, there's a million like weird cover. I would, I like, like was very, on like the SoundCloud release, I was like, this is a cover. And then I like completely forgot to put it on like the Spotify. <laughs> it was like, I mean, I had like gotten like the clearance for it, which takes like a couple of days and like you go mm. clearing it with like whatever outdated. Uh, yeah. Like, especially for like a deceased artist, like. Oh, like totally. Martin, it's super yeah. weird. I mean, someone still owns the rights out. to that. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Someone got there like 10 cents somewhere. For, yeah. The, the for, Dean Dino's estate. Yeah, <laughs> for for my yeah. dumb putting it on my EP, but that's but hey, you know, like money's money, royalties are good. So so somehow yeah. I bet I bet Sinatra's estate also got got some money from that somehow. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> wonder what the splits are, man. It had to. Yeah. Someone they're all they're all getting paid. The family's getting paid. They're all they're all eating. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so I guess let's now move on to the the second track because this counting time alone, which was definitely one of the standouts to me, because after listening to that, you know, very mellow opening, like you had said, it it moves to the rest of this this album EP, if you want to call it release, you know, however you want to classify it. Sure. Um, there was a lot of it felt a lot like like post punk and and new wave stuff, especially that like post punk revival of like the early two thousands. I don't know if that was like a conscious influence of yours, but like that definitely kind of reminded me of that almost like Strokesy Interpol uh, type stuff going on around New York in the early two thousands. A lot of like you know angular guitar riffs and um, and and synth lines like adding you know some some cool landscapes. Yeah, that, that song came pretty quickly um, and earlier in the process. It's funny because you can almost, like when people are talking back on the albums, they're like, oh, it must have been like somewhat earlier in the process. It's funny with the 90 days, I can like really like pin it down to like almost like which day it happened. <laughs> um, that was probably like, I don't know, day 20, like when I like started to be like, I think I kind of like I'm over being really clunky and like, heavy-handed with like the software and mm-hmm. became a little bit comfortable picked a guitar up for the first time in in quite some time and and that kind of just came out really easily but but yeah i would say that that was i mean that's that's the pop song right like i wanted mm-hmm. i want that that pop um song and, and yeah totally like strokes like i've been listening to a lot of the strokes at the time and um always a that's good time a, Strokes is when I think about them as like an influence. I'm like, oh, the Strokes are so cool and they're really good, but they could be like weirder. Like they could they yeah. could have added like weird synths in there or something. So it was uh it was my uh, opportunity to, to to put my own spin on it, which is really cool. I feel like even later, some of their later releases, they started adding those elements, and that's kind of when when like a lot of their you know diehard fans started to fall off a little bit having been a, like a strokes fan for a long time they definitely like their later records started to get a little little weirder and people started to like bash them even though i, I kind of like them i kind of like them too and as much as i mean i'm 
I kind of am in that camp of like when they got a little weirder, it was sort of a miss. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it's always cool to see like the development of like your favorite bands, mm-hmm. no matter where they are, right? Like, yeah. I think in, in 40 years, like I want to know what my favorite artists are still doing. I don't really, mm-hmm. they're like old, washed up, whatever. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of um, like the way I felt about some of, a lot of the other songs that are on the EP as well is I was kind of like just imagining like, oh, what would it be like if this influence like just kept making music? Like it in a right? And like it just kind of carried through. So, but yeah, the influences on this are all over the place. I don't think I could even really pin a lot of them down themselves, but I think you really like got to my core just now and really like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I think it's I think it's a it's an unintentional homage to the Strokes and as as a like a big big post punk and specifically post punk revival of like the early two thousands whether it's Strokes Interpol British bands like Block Party and stuff like I can I can spot it <laughs> oh so good yeah uh, yeah yeah that's you know that was those were my my teen years were spent like diving into those bands uh, that's what I thought was like super cool when I was like fourteen and I, I still think it's super cool like when, anytime I go back oh I go back to old block party like at least like a couple times like a couple times a year like into like a two week block party binge and just be like like why couldn't this last forever <laughs> i know that that's that, especially that first album is so good i was listening to that like two weeks ago like it's one of my yeah. favorite album that's a top 10 album of all time and i i'm not like big into ranking my favorite albums so, like there's so many albums that i would say are top 10 there's probably like 40 albums that are in my top 10 <laughs> but uh yeah yeah silent alarm by block party is is a perennial contender amazing yeah I don't know if you've listened to any of uh, Kelly's uh, like solo material, but I've been revisiting some of his early solo material, like right after he started doing solo stuff uh, away from Block Party, and it's really, really solid. I should, I should. As like as as a Block Party fan, I I'm ashamed to say that I haven't like gone into it as much. But you put the spark in, so if you hear anything <laughs> on the next. <laughs> super directly yeah. influenced by his solo stuff call that out too because you know so about around 2000 so in 2008 9 block party released um what uh i think it's intimacy their third album which was like very much yeah. more in the electronic vein and i think like kelly kind of wanted to continue down that road for a little bit and so his first solo release in 2010 is called the boxer and when it came out it was that was around the time where like a lot of dubstep influence in pop music was coming out. So a lot of like wub basses. And so I kind of wrote it off at the time as like trying to, to kind of cash in on that like popular sound, but I've been revisiting it the past like two months and it's so good. Kelly and his lyrics always kind of hit a very, very emotional chord. That's but, sick. I like how records can like season over time. I think about that from time to time, like, and like Jay Paul samples and like weird his oh, stuff. Oh like, yeah, yeah. There's like intrigue, and that's kind of like all it is. And you kind of like wonder what it was. And there's like more and more leaks and stuff like that. Totally different situation, I guess. But you know, you, it was just kind of like this like internet enigma. Yeah, I wasn't. I think Jay Paul was was forced up. to like re- release his 
his like demos because they got leaked. And so he ended up just like taking that into his own hands. I mean, if they've gotten leaked anyway, then I guess I have to release stuff like this. backtrack again because i kind of want to talk about your musical back like well before this you had mentioned you played guitar a lot i guess growing up and, and before setting out to record this album what's what's your musical background been like i grew up in madison wisconsin actually which is there fluctuates between musical desert or like this like musical kind of like haven artistic place like you can like kind of like whatever you want artistically really like shout out to like any Madison public schools or surrounding area public school districts uh arts programs for like absolutely being some of the best in the country um I went to a school in a suburb of Madison and got really into musical theater 
and did that through high school. And I think that's like really where I became a little bit more comfortable with vocal performance. Had to totally like refine that again in this process, which was really interesting. I hadn't really sang anything besides like drunken karaoke since high school. (laughs) So it was really cool to um, like hear myself through a microphone for the first Mm -hmm. time in a really time yeah plus like uh, so I, I i didn't realize that i was talking to a f- another former ex-theater kid i did a lot of th- i did like theater for 10 years between high school and college and a little after but like musical amazing. musical theater performance and, and musical singing is vast like i would not have guessed that based on like how your voice sounds on this y- yeah you've adapted I, to a much more like rock tone yeah i appreciate that i think i i, I mean even like eighth grade onward like through high school. I thought that I wanted to go to school. Like when I initially went to college, I thought I wanted to go for music or just like musical theater specifically. I really, really loved it. And like eventually like through high school got like progressively better roles in the musicals and was in show choir and stuff like that. And then like all while that's going on, you know, going back even earlier, I think maybe from the time I was like eight to 12, I took piano lessons was a very uncommitted piano student, but (laughs) I think coming from uh, a half Asian background, that was like something that was like kind of pushed, like you will have a musical discipline, like (laughs) repertoire, like before you go to college. And then I, I think from like 12 onwards, I like really pushed towards guitar, quit piano and maybe took like five guitar lessons. And then from there on was self-taught. And I would still say I'm like a pretty mediocre guitar player. (laughs) I'm definitely not proficient um, and the recordings probably allude to that, but um, it's just something that I've enjoyed. I have dabbled with it, you know, through, through high school, through college and into my adult years as well. So it wasn't, but you know, there's definitely those phases where I pick up and drop Mm -hmm. guitar, but you know, in, yeah, in high school, I, you know, it was mostly musical theater and I was in, um, I'd played in like a couple, like, garage bands and when I meet garage bands like we didn't leave the garage <laughs> yeah it's just friends like those playing are like music, my high like, school really bands yeah. yeah like saying that we were gonna play high a school show. in college and maybe we did like play like a battle of the bands or something maybe once but it, you know like nothing nothing serious but yeah and then I went to in college um I went to school in Milwaukee for college and there was a very and, and still is in a lot of ways, but there was a really interesting experimental hip hop scene going on there mm-hmm. when I was going to school there. And um, people like, I guess I'll name drop, Webster X, Lord Freddy, uh, a friend of mine who lived in right above us in an attic apartment um, who goes by Mike Kellogg. Uh, Mike Kellogg, check out his music if you haven't. We're really you know, it was really close and I could see it being music being made and it being done and created in front of me. And I mean, they're, they're very good at what they do. So at no point was I like, Oh, I can do this and I can like jump right in and make music, but just being kind of like, you know, a fly on the wall, seeing these songs being made, it was just an energy that I felt that, you know, I could, I could feed off of whatever was going on in Mm -hmm. the, there was, the best song that they had made or, or the worst song that they had made, you know, it was cool. It was just cool to observe and, and watch some of those careers blossom and, and develop. And those guys are still, I think all making music today still. 
they definitely played a part in in me being inspired because when it came when it came back around it was really just like hey I guess they did it you know I try my hand at it you know I'm not trying to like one-up anyone or be better at anything because I'm not but you know I had seen it been done before and I saw the happiness and the spark and like sort of the creative process and and just sort of was very envious of it the whole time really <laughs> Like I would just wish I could be making something and, and being creative and creating content in some way, shape or form. You know, that's when I sort of dabbled in Ableton in college and just like made like a few beats and like quickly dropped it because I had like no equipment, no know-how and like limited people around me who were willing to be like patient enough to be like, this is how you do it. But yeah, I think that's, that's really the, the background. I mean, it's, um, pretty straightforward. From there, I've, I've been Atlanta-based for about the past five years, just working. And, you know, COVID came around. I started making, like, played guitar a little bit more. And then, yeah, there's some stuff that was coming together that sounded like song or something. And I was like, let me download Ableton. And, you know, the rest, <laughs> uh, the rest came. Then the 90 days came and went. Was the, uh, the songwriting all done within that same 90-day window, too? All of it, yeah. Word, yeah. yeah so I was gonna ask, um, like, did you already have the songs written? But yeah, I guess not at all. And honestly, like, I would say days like one through ten to fifteen were like just me staring at YouTube tutorials and learning the software as as best I could. Because by no means was I using best practices going into no, it. No. At the end of the day, I was like, I kind of made this promise and. Not to anyone else. It wasn't like this widely broadcasted thing. Like mm-hmm. I made a grandiose announcement to everyone that in 90 days I will be putting out. <laughs> there wasn't any like hype or Watch promo this space. Or yeah. Right. I just I just wanted to make I just wanted to make something for myself and kind of just prove to myself that I could do it. And yeah, I fell in love with it. But yeah, writing, recording, the lack of mixing and mastering <laughs> was all. <laughs> It was all done in the 90 days. And uh, I mean, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't sound like like unmixed either. Like, it, you know, it sounds sounds good, I think. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I did the best I could, you know, with the teeth you got. Well, there you go. We're, we're coming back to. The, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I also fit when you mentioned that, like, you know, saying that you're not like a super proficient guitar player. I didn't I wouldn't have guessed that you're like not super experienced with the guitar because it felt like. You know, the guitar lines aren't like super complicated, but it's also, you know, there's nothing wrong with having like, you know, an easy to play guitar line. There's not everybody has to do like Van Halen, like finger tapping and stuff. Right. And so like, you know, it's all about how it fits into the the overall composition of the song, the overall song structure. And I I mean, I think I think you achieve that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the guitar parts that I put in, I mean, I can't say they were super well thought out I think it was just what came out at the time I wish I had like a cooler story for like the arrangement and all that stuff but yeah ultimately the I I had so much fun with the composition and arrangement portion of it Ableton's Ableton is wonderful for that oh you're so it's so quick and like very like tactile I would put it like you're just can be very hands-on with with everything and I mean the arrangements like really come together uh super easily I think it's like the best like fast use tool yeah um, not that i've used a ton of daws like in the past but yeah I, I i had a blast just like learning every step of the process and yeah just excited 
that I kind of am adding more tools to my tool belt, moving mm-hmm. on from, you know, what I learned in that period too. Yeah. And Ableton is, especially you mentioned like using a lot of YouTube tutorials. It's amazing how many of those are out there just for free on the web. Like you can spend a couple weeks learning to be a pretty proficient producer by using these YouTube tutorials and figuring out, you know, what workflow works for you within whatever DAW you're using. I've used Ableton for a few years for personal music purposes. And also now I'm editing this podcast within Ableton and it works great for both. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super versatile tool. I mean, it's what I know how to use now, so I, I will be sticking to it. I, I got suckered in. They, they got me. I, I paid. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, after the trial period, I was like, all right, like I did, you know, I owe them this much. They gave, <laughs> I was able to to produce um, something that I'm happy with out of the product. And therefore, I, I guess I owe you money now. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what making any, I guess any art form should be about where it's like, you should be making it something that you really like and are really happy with and to hell with anybody who doesn't like it or whatever make you know make art for yourself that you enjoy i think yeah totally i think over the course of making the entire project i think i maybe showed a handful of songs to three people like my wife being one of them and so it was like i probably should have had like a more diverse sounding board to (laughs) to opinions and feedback on yeah ultimately it was music for myself <laughs> and and made to my taste. It's I think it's the same concept of like, you know, cooking for your own palate, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're gonna make you you'll probably always make food that tastes better to yourself than someone else. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I hope I hope others enjoy it. But yeah, it was definitely this was a selfish one, I think. I uh I definitely was going through and just making the songs that I thought would sound cool. I don't know. I don't know if it's obvious or not when you listen to the EP of like where it was in the process, like what songs were made when, like, because there's definitely songs that are much more elementary than, than others, I would say in, in composition and arrangement and overall production value. But I think there's a good spectrum on there. Do you remember where real time rest fell into that? Because that was one of the standout tracks for me. I really, I I love the, uh, just everything that was going on in that, but then specifically, um, the hi-hats that come in, uh, like the 16th note hi-hats that come in, I, I really loved the introduction of those. And I felt like they added like a huge boost of energy to the track that was already like really, really good and had like a great oh, thanks, melody man. going. Yeah. Yeah.
for sure um like 15 days was like crunch time yeah and uh i got it i squeezed out a good maybe three or four more tracks out of the last 15 days writing recording and 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 bringing that all to to completion uh within that last window and also just doing some additional mixing and mastering on uh on the other tracks as well but definitely was under the gun on a few of those real-time rest was in there i think it was maybe mm-hmm. the last or second to last song that made it nice nice and uh so that and i, I think the third track no flowers that i heard a little bit and it's interesting that you mentioned those uh sort of experimental hip-hop influences from your your um your background uh in wisconsin um, cause I definitely heard like a little bit of a hip hop influence, especially in like the drum beats there. Uh, so were you, were you recording drums on like live drums or were you using like a drum machine? Not totally MIDI. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a kit. So it was like definitely, and still don't. So, I mean, I don't like to think of it as a limitation. It's just, you know, no, yeah, no. what I have. So yeah, no live drums. And honestly, I think that the drums were the hardest to wrap my head around throughout the whole project. Like I hope future projects uh, will feature some, some better, some better drum takes, but yeah, the, uh, I like the drums a lot on this record. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think no flowers was, I don't know. I'd, I'd made the drums and, and I'd kind of like done this like weird, like warm up thing of like, I always liked it, liked it when there's like skits and hip hop too. <laughs> so like classic kind of 90s like hip-hop yeah like album, just like, like the chronic like i like yeah. all stuff where there's like some like weird skit i like that it's being brought back to what what's your what's your favorite or like what are a couple of your favorites i don't want to make like put you on the spot to pick your absolute favorite but what's your your favorite like 90s hip-hop interlude skit interlude skit all right well ready to die is like one of my favorite albums all the like skits on that are are pretty good I like the phone calls oh yeah uh, yeah yeah i like the phone calls the answering machine from like all the girls i love that i mean i think for the most part like it was like comedic value and maybe it's just like progress like it was like comedic value in the 90s a little mm-hmm. bit but like i don't know like good kid mad city has so many good like storytelling interlude kind of oh, yeah. skits like his mom calling him, his dad drunk in the back asking about like dominoes, like where are my dominoes? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's like, uh, and like, 
you know, they give him like, I think at the end of end of Shireen or something to, like there's so many good, yeah. like, and I think it's just a good storytelling device in that sense, which is. Yeah, super- no, Kendrick definitely uses them as in less of a comedic way and more, I think, I mean, not that they're, you know, the dominoes recurring dominoes like requests are, are really funny, but um, yeah, he also, de- especially on good kid, mad city uses them uh, really to reflect that, that album's narrative in a really cool way. Um, and then the ones that, cause the ones from uh, To Pimp a Butterfly where he's like, it's the, the, the letter that he wrote to Tupac, but it keeps getting expanded upon throughout the album. Oh um, yeah. I don't know. Those, the, the last three Kendrick albums to me are chef's kiss, like master oh, yeah. class. Like I, you know, I don't know if you can top it. It's, they're amazing. And they're just, you think about the, the lyricism and content that's just packed. I mean, they're long albums, but like, it's still the length, so though. dense. It's not like you like spread this thing out to be like light and consumable and digestible. It's just packed full. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Freddie Gibbs and just like listening to like the content that he can just pump into a song, and, like really put you in a time and place is something, you know, as a songwriter, it's weird calling myself that, but yeah, I mean, no, I go for it. You wrote completely, songs. Com- completely admire it because he just hacks this like thing in and, and it's all you know as a lifestyle that i've never led or, or never will and you know but he puts you in that time and place so so well and it's not like he has much to lean on you know it's like simple beats and and it's just i mean he's got he's got like the coolest voice in hip-hop too so he's got a really good voice yeah <laughs> i um i had noticed because when i was reviewing your uh your artist page on spotify you had like a you had your own kind of companion playlist of influences for this album i believe and i think a freddie gibbs and mad lib track popped up on that yeah Um, yeah so i was giving that a listen earlier today in between listens of of your album yeah it's a pretty scatterbrained playlist huh (laughs) hey i mean you (laughs) draw influences from many places i feel like that's a pretty common way to go about recording your own stuff now is that you hear a bunch of like there's such a plethora of and diversity of of music that not just contemporary stuff but in the past like 50 60 years of of modern pop music that it's hard to it's hard to miss a lot of it there's for sure so much and like a lot so much of it is really enjoyable i mean we started this podcast talking about like an old dean martin western and now we're on (laughs) we're on freddie gibbs so (laughs) i feel like yeah that's a that's a really we've gone through a great trajectory (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're on was, good pace. Maybe Dean Martin was the the Freddie Gibbs of his time. Probably not. <laughs> I hope. I have, um, I don't know. I'll have to ask like a great grandparent or something on that one. That one's. Uh, it's a time I mean, I know a lot of rappers have like made reference to the to old Rat Pack stuff. Of course, like, yeah. Whether it was in the '90s or like like Jay Z, I feel like especially in the '90s, like. The, you know the whole like reasonable doubt cover with him in the hat and the suit with the cigar you know yeah whatever you was call rich. like the like weird like tele thing like the the like weird scarf you know it's like, oh yeah 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 it's not an ascot but like yeah i don't i don't know something i don't know the name for it but it looks <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i mean he was definitely going for that like classy gangster feel you look at sinatra and he was you hear stories about him and he was like such a for better or for worse, such like a powerful boss-like figure, maybe had mob ties. There is something about that aesthetic that um, 
I feel like especially in the '90s, a lot of a lot of rappers were were emulating that sort of larger than life persona. Yeah, yeah there's right. like not a ton to compare it to. You know, like when you like, I feel like if there was any parallel that had happened in pop culture up until that point, it was that. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, I don't think they were gonna ever reference themselves to be like the, the new Beatles or something like that. But that's I don't know. It's a cool way to like reinvent music. Yeah. Well, even the Beatles have gotten like, you know, their share of, of comparison or references in hip hop, like that whole black Beatles song from a couple of years ago, like race tremored. Right. Yeah. 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 And that, that was a huge, that was such a, cause that had the, like the mannequin challenge thing attached, like the viral thing <laughs> right. that even, even friggin' Paul McCartney like hopped on that and did his own mannequin challenge video to that song. So it all like, it's just like a full circle. It all comes back around. It know? all comes back, man. Yeah. Yeah. No flowers was just, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it was like, now that you're bringing up like Rat Pack stuff and like crooners, like that's maybe what I was like going for with that. I like had made the sort of like weird beat that is very off. Interesting. Yeah. I was like, what? It went and I, I just wanted, um, I was also just trying to like do a bunch of like vocal stacking, which I hadn't done a bunch mm-hmm. of. And I thought it came out cool. You know, it's funny. Most of the project was done between like the hours of, I don't know, like seven o'clock and like midnight on like weeknights for the most part. So my wife would be like in bed, like, are you doing like, and, like, kind of, like this funny, and, and you know for a while I like wasn't really, just like I don't know I'm just like in, she just I could, maybe she thought that I was just in my office making like weird music or listening to music I don't know what she thought but I thought it was so funny when like I was like oh what if there's this like kind of like idea where it's like this classic not I don't want to like make like compare myself to like make a shaggy reference but it's like it's <laughs> Like, you know, it's not cheating. It's just like, I'm literally like, I could be out doing anything, but I'm like, literally like right down the hall, like in the next room music. <laughs> like, like I'm not I, doing anything. Like, I feel like that has anything. like, that has like meme potential of being like, <laughs> like, oh, honestly, it might be better if you were cheating. Like you're just recording your album. Like, in the yeah. Album. It was like, it's like, it's like, I'm, I'm doing nothing that cool. I'm like in a room by myself, like, literally like going through like thousands of drum sounds, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? I could be doing something more exciting, but I'm, I'm clearly not just like, yeah, I can just like imagine a meme of, of like a, like a woman laying in bed and like, like a guy at a, at a computer, just like he's, he's going through drum samples. <laughs> <laughs> no, it totally is. It's like, it, it, it like memes itself. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was like the, that, the hook is, you know, what she thinks I'm doing versus what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, she probably thinks I'm like out, like not even in the house, like running around <laughs> crazy. No, Life imitates memes, you know, <laughs> just I'm just sitting here. I'm doing I'm doing nothing. I don't know. These guys don't have a clue. I don't know. What do we do? Fuck it. Let's do it ourselves. Stop. Now, tell me where you've been right now. This minute. This minute, wait a minute. It's too late to go to bed, she said. This hour. Yes, I will. I threw back.
Yeah, I had also noticed on that that playlist that you had made, there was a Dion track, but uh, like yeah. he had a background as sort of a crooner because he'd been around since like the very early '60s, if I if I got that correct. Um, yeah, part of, like a, a trio, and so yeah, Dion and the Belmonts. I'm obsessed with Dion. <laughs> I just think like he and and speaking of just people that you you want to see their musical progression literally from like the time you find them until the day they die. Like there's certain people like that for me and Dion's one of them. <laughs> and that's just that that's just part of it. And I think it's like cool to hear him go. He went from like doo-wop to writing. He's like amazingly arranged. Yeah. Uh, very like, I, I don't know what to call. I mean, that's like it, that to me, I think, I think the song I put on there is only, you know, to me, it's just like one of the most beautiful heartbreaking amazing love songs that you could ever write and and yeah. very different from anything that he had done before and also probably my favorite like baseline from that era although there was a lot um, but there's a if you listen very carefully there is a, a nasty nasty bass tone going on with that song that oh, I, yeah I'll, ha- I'll have to like check that out now <laughs> in full i've only like heard bits and pieces of it at times but i do i was reading up on it like when that song came on the playlist because yeah um, yeah I know it was like Phil Spector produced. I'm not like pro Phil Spector by any means, but he, um, sure, yeah. you know, he, he definitely like was a very influential figure in like the production of the 60s and 70s. And like a lot of famous musicians wanted his production. And I know I was reading what was very interesting about Born to Be With You. Uh, I think you had mentioned the name of it, but I'll just say it again. Was that Dion, according to the Wikipedia page that I'm looking at right now, Dion actually kind of disowned the record and its production because he thought it sounded like funeral music. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one before. Yeah, but you know, it, like that's probably his most famous like album. That's like the that that cover like is very recognizable to me. I think it's like just like a cult classic. I think like people had kind of like written him off and like the, the doo-wop era kind of like passed him by and you know he was best known for the wanderer and i don't know like how you can go probably pretty deep into the belmont history but i mean they were successful but you know it was like definitely just a place in time type of yeah. for him to go on and like do something else was 
kind of out of the box and bold for him was, I, I just think is cool. And, you know, you look at like artist reinvention, like just, people do it in really subtle ways sometimes and people do it in just like these really crazy bombastic ways. And I think both ways are cool. Like you could straight up David Bowie, like completely like reinvent uh, persona. But don't you even, could also like, you're, don't, get, don't get me started on David Bowie. Cause I won't fucking <laughs> stop because David Bowie is like one of my favorite people ever. But like, yeah, you're right. Like David Bowie was someone who like continually reinvented himself, starting off with sort of like coming out of the hippie years with like the space oddity stuff. And then early yeah. 70s going into his glam period with all the Ziggy stuff. And then a brief foray into funk before basically like not inventing, but like being the like such a prominent figure in like proto punk and like proto post punk. Diamond Dogs was super influential to bands like you know, Sex Pistols, the Berlin years were like super influential to, you know, the first post-punkers like, like Joy Division and et cetera. Um, yeah. That like, and then, you know, becoming like more of a dance music guy in the eighties and then trying to go back to like hard rock with like Tin Machine in the late eighties. Like I said, don't get me started on David Bowie because <laughs> I cannot. We can stop. go down the rabbit hole, but yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, Enter the labyrinth, if you will. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> nice. All right, there you have it. That's about where we wrapped up. We did go on for a little bit longer talking about we talked about Crystal's uh, background in musical theater, some of his favorite musicals that he was involved with. We also talked about listening to records with our dads for a little bit and just having dads with sort of idiosynchronistic music taste and how that can be confusing but also sort of fun and rewarding too. I do want to give a shout out because at one point um, knowing that Crystal's from Milwaukee and knowing this interview was recorded while the NBA playoffs were still going on and Crystal obviously was pulling for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that was before the finals had happened. I think the the Bucks were just facing the Hawks in the conference finals. Uh, anyway, Crystal said that the Bucks were going to win the NBA championship in six games, and that's what they ended up doing. So congrats to Crystal, congrats to the Bucks, congrats to Giannis Antetokounmpo for winning that finals MVP. Anyway, hope the Celtics win next year because they're the best team. But yeah, thanks as always to anyone listening to this. You make it all worth it and hope that you're closing out the summer well and getting ready for a nice, relaxing autumn. Get your pumpkin spices your apple pies and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, see you next week.